Hi, and welcome back to Learning and Development 101. I'm your host, Joe, and today we are going to look at evaluations. So over the past few episodes, we have looked about setting up our learning interventions. We've looked about material, a little bit around delivery. But before we go more into delivery, etc., cetera, uh, we want to look at evaluation. So how are we going to evaluate the effectiveness of our training or our solution? Now, there are a few ways to go about doing this. And the uh, the first one, which is the most common one, is always a uh, form evaluation at the end of training saying, what did you think of the training? Now, there are a few pitfalls uh, with that uh, style of uh, gathering information. And the pitfall comes at the end of the training when you hand out that evaluation. If it's not anonymous, you're not going to get the right feedback. You're going to get people who are going to say that they were um, enthralled in the delivery of the training, that the material was fantastic, and the trainer is the best trainer that they've ever had. That's because it's not anonymous. They can't express their true opinions and feelings. And without that safety, people won't give you true thoughts and opinions. Another pitfall to that method of collection of uh, your evaluation is if you are in the room while they are taking that evaluation, it puts a lot of pressure on your delegate, and they're going to think that they can that you can see exactly what they've put, and that you'll be able to identify who they are by what they've put. And those are the two big things that seem to give L and D a false level of confidence and a false impression of how good something actually is. Now, if we were to just use those same methods, but uh, amend them slightly, so if we made it anonymous, people could do whatever they wanted. They could say exactly how they felt. They could say, you know, the training was, was good or not good, you know, where improvements could be. But also, if we as a trainer are not in the room when it's done, it gives people that security to actually write what they feel. And ironically enough, the best time to actually gather feedback is at the end of the training. But other points of gathering feedback are at the end of every day. So if you are an approachable trainer, because let's face it, some of us are not approachable uh, just because of um, you know demeanors or how we deliver training, or maybe it's just the line of business that we're in, and some people just feel they can't really approach us or openly share, which is something that we will probably look at later episodes in you know how to adjust that change uh, to make you more approachable, um, or you know just change in general. So having feedback sessions at the end of every day where you can be open and honest with people and, you know, don't take it as criticism, but as genuine feedback as to what they felt went well in that session and what didn't go so well. And ask them the question, what do you feel I as a trainer could improve on? Or what was lacking in the material or what you expected or what you would like to see? It might come out that, you know, what they expected or want to see has nothing to do with what you're trying to teach and has no relevance, or it might just be that solid piece of information that you as a trainer are going too fast 
And the good thing with that immediate feedback at the end of every session is there is something you can take away to apply to the next session. So if you're told that you are talking too fast and that the delegates are having trouble keeping up with what is being said, you know that on that next session, you have to slow down. And then if you ask for the feedback again at the end of that session, you can link it directly to past feedback. So conversation goes as, hi guys, listen, in the last session, you said I was talking too fast. Uh, I've taken that on board and hopefully I've slowed down this session. Do you still feel I was talking too fast? Could I be going any slower in terms of communication for you? And what you want to see is that that change of to know you are going at a reasonable pace or know your pace is just perfect. It might come out that you're going too slow. So then you have to kind of just readjust ever so slightly. That's one way of, of getting feedback. Another way of getting feedback is uh, in a group setting, um, which is very similar to that evaluation form. And um, I'm a fan of the group setting, um, especially in a, a casual setting, just because it incites conversation. So you can just ask for, you know, a bit of feedback around something. And depending on the group dynamics that you have, you'll always have one person who pipes up and says, you know, they're, what they're feeling, you know, but that's just their opinion. But that leads to the conversation because someone will um, inadvertently catch on to that or um, continue what their train of thought was. And that's really, really fantastic because you can see how two opposing points uh, when it comes to feedback really play out. And it may be that one person sways the other person um, or just sways the group or you find there's general 50-50 split. Now, feedback in itself is very much in those two forms. Evaluations, on the other hand, also come in forms of metrics. Now, when we talk metrics, we talk data. And in learning development, we are moving very much away from, well, I think it's improving or it's going to improve because people are doing this, to we have improved. Here's the numbers. Based off of the training that you deliver, it is always handy to find out what you are aiming to change. And by this, I mean, if you are delivering training in a call center environment to help increase the number of calls agents take per hour, first thing you want to find out is what is your starting line? Now, are you going to do it as an average or as a per agent? And whichever one you choose, kind of gives an effect to the business. If you choose average, you are saying that here is our base average. Anyone who works above this, we're not too fussed about. Anyone who works below this, this is who we are focusing on. Now, the problem with that is that when you deliver call handling training to someone, and if they were already above that average line, but through your training have increased their own ability, they have moved the average. And that is a very dangerous thing because you could have people who are working just below that line, the initial lines, that first average you've taken, 
through your training, gotten them above that average line. But as soon as you recalculate that average, it automatically puts them below the line again. So it really does affect not only that agent, but also the area of the business that you're looking to improve against. In my mind, it's better to do it by agent. You can still have an average and say that, you know, this is what our average is. But if you're going to do that, just say our average has increased. So you've increased the average number of calls agents take. Depending on the size of your business, you know, I'm not naive to think that if you've got a call center that has 500 staff, you're going to have five set 500 different um, lines of measurables for them which, you know, in the long run is actually really good because you can show clear progress. And that leads into coaching um, and career building eventually at the end of the day, which we, we can possibly cover in another episode. So we'll look at coaching models, etc. But that's a really good line to start with because you can accurately show that because of your training, X number of people have increased their number of calls taken per hour by X amount. Or if you've got some people who are really struggling, you can show that you have increased that. And this type of evaluation is very good, especially in coaching models and one-to-ones, because it shows that they are making, you know, they are increasing their skills and abilities because of you. Now, if we go back to our forms on evaluation, we are very much in a mindset of what did you think of the trainer? Were they a good trainer? Were they a bad trainer? Can you add your comments? Why? Now, that's a very subjective question because you may have a trainer who's on an off day. You may have a trainer standing in for another trainer. But when you collect it all click all the data, unless that trainer is specifically named, it's very hard to pull that information and do anything with it. And to say whether your trainer was a good trainer when delivering the training itself isn't really a usable metric because that doesn't have any impact on the business. It doesn't have any impact on the individual. It doesn't have any impact on L&D. And it doesn't have any impact on that trainer themselves. It is a wishy-washy question. A better question to ask would be, now that you've had your training, how confident are you to do your job? Or how confident are you to apply what you have learned to your role? That is a greater metric because it shows that what the trainer has delivered has had a direct impact on the delegate. Now, a trick to this and an absolute gem of a follow-up. So anyone who's listening for this, if you're a trainer and you want to really show the effectiveness of your training, ask that question immediately after you've delivered the training. And then one month later, ask a very similar question. 
How confident are you in your role because of the training that you were given? And your goal is to get the resulting number as close to each other as possible. Now, let me let me be very clear with this one. If the after training evaluation is 3.5 out of 5, okay, using the Linkit scale, how confident are you to apply what you've learned to your job? 3.5. One month later, how confident are you in your role after being given that training? 2.5. Now, that is one significant metric because it shows that the training was delivered in a way that people felt confident, but it wasn't enough to maintain it for that one month when they were on the job using that information. Your goal should be to get that 2.5 as close to 3.5 or better. You go over the, the original number, fantastic. You know, that means that your training was amazing. At the time, people may not have been confident, but as soon as they were in that live setting and actively applying what you taught them, their confidence skyrocketed. However, if your after training evaluation is a four and your one month later is a 2.5, you need to readdress that training. You need to find out what has gone wrong. And that's what you add in the comments, okay? And the good thing with it being anonymous is people can give you their honest feedback. Now, though, don't get me wrong, there will be individuals, regardless of anonymity, will give you their honest-to-God opinion. You all know who they are within your business. You know that you can ask them a question and they're going to tell you outright exactly what they think of you or exactly what they think of a system, a program, piece of training, the weather, or some politician on the news. I love those people because they don't hold back. They also grate on me a little bit because sometimes they miss the point and they go off on a tangent. So you have to manage that information that they give you with a, with a pinch of salt, to be honest. So, for me, that's, that's the best question to ask. Another piece of metric that, as a business, we tend to go through, that we need to move away from, is how many people we have trained, or how long we have delivered training for. And you who are new to L&D, or companies, if you know anyone who's listening to us who's implementing an L&D department, do not ask that question because you can deliver hundreds of hours of training throughout the year and ha have it give no impact to the business. If anything, you have wasted hundreds of hours of training and have nothing to show for it. And the reason I say that, you know, not to use it is because L&D is a very unique business department or a very unique role within the business. We are the hardest people to measure just because of what we deliver. 
So what we really want to know is how has L&D improved the business? As opposed to delivering hundreds of hours of training, it's how have we improved the business? Now, that's a very hard metric to deliver, uh, depending on your, your role. Confidence is always a good one for it, but taking your average or your baseline or your goal. So what we're kind of getting at is that evaluations are directly tied to metric data that you're looking to deliver on. So are you trying to reduce the number of complaints? Are you trying to increase call handling time? Are you trying to increase the number of calls taken per hour? Are you trying to decrease the time it takes to do a process? Are you trying to increase interactivity with a program or a business line or something within the business that can be measured through interactivity? Uh, if you've got an, an LMS or a learning management system, for example, if you can measure how often it gets used and then you start putting out e-learning onto that LMS, you are showing that you are directly impacting the use of that LMS. And that's what L&D should be about, improving the business beyond did you like your trainer? Did you like the training? Because there are people who are going to say, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't like the training, but they're not going to tell you why. You know, it's just, no, didn't like it. That's it. Evaluations are always important. You know, guys, we, we talk about evaluations and, and how we gather that data, but how do we use that data? You know, other than showing, you know, in the improvement, the comments are the, the biggest part for, you know, me as a trainer in that it lets me know what I'm doing well and what I'm not doing well. Everyone focuses on the negative because the negative stays with you longer than the positive. You know, you could have 100 people say 100 nice things about you. You have one person say one negative thing about you. Oh, you're going to stew on that for days. But it lets me know what I'm doing well. It lets me know where I don't need to change. And, you know, the third thing is in L&D, there's always that comment, you know, we challenge the status quo. Well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or we've always done it that way. Well, is that really the best way to do it? For certain aspects of L&D, that is actually true. Um, if you are told that you're doing something very well in a certain way, or a certain field, don't change. You know, you are doing good. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Be recognized for that good work. Where someone tells you that you're not doing so well, then by all means, make adjustments, make changes. And that's what evaluations are all about. Now, I will leave you with this. If you value feedback and you value evaluations, weird word, um, do you yourself provide feedback or do evaluations of things? And I don't just mean within your working environment, I mean your everyday environment. You know, you purchase something off of Amazon. Do you leave feedback? Did you say how good that product was? Or you have a, another product that you use and you think it's a great product. Do you tell that company? I certainly try to. Um, biggest one I've, I've done that sticks in my mind just because of 
uh, how great I think the product is, is I have a, uh, a nice pair of uh, Craghopper trousers, they're outdoor trousers, you know, they're guaranteed for life, they're very sturdy, and I gave the company feedback as to how great I thought the trousers were, mainly because at the time I had a puppy and he was tearing into them and they wouldn't rip, and to me, that product has gone above and beyond, and it's thinking, you know what, I want someone at that company to know that the product that they have created is one, puppy proof, but two, provided me with a great comforting pair of trousers. I mean, I, I wear them today, you know, they're, they're fantastic, they're comfortable, you know, in hot weather, they're great, they're airy, cold weather, they do keep me warm, they're fantastic. So think about feedback. When you receive feedback, do you give feedback? And do you give it constructively? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening in. Um, now, I always say that, you know, I appreciate your feedback. Uh, so if you want to p- provide feedback on your uh, podcast uh, choice of listening, where you're listening to from. But additionally, if you would like to send me a little bit of feedback of something that you would like me to cover, something you feel I'm not doing well within this podcast, or, you know, just just general feedback, um, please email me. Uh, I will include my email in the, the show notes. Uh, but for those of you listening, uh, it is lnd101podcast at gmail.com. So that's lnd101podcast at gmail.com. And I really, really do look forward to getting feedback from, from everyone um, just because it helps me. And this is a great way to know what I'm doing well and where I need to improve. Uh, any feedback, I would always ask, you know, it's given constructively, okay? Uh, you can use the bathtub effect or the sandwich, whichever one you want to call it, you know, positive, negative, positive. Or if you're going to give me um, what I'm doing not so well, how I can improve. Uh, and that's always a, a big piece to me. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening in. I do appreciate it. And I will catch you all in the next episode. Goodbye from me. Take care.